Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. WWE NXT dealing with another COVID-19 outbreak. AEW announces newest signing, and I discuss if the New Day are the greatest tag team ever. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DTT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DTT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDTT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Last night was Monday Night Raw, but before we get into that, let's check out our news. WWE NXT dealing with another COVID-19 outbreak. According to Fightful Select, there will be some significant changes made on Wednesday's NXT episode on the USA Network. Some talent have been contacted and told to quarantine, while others have been pulled from the show altogether. There's no word yet on which wrestlers have been pulled from Wednesday's show, but there are no previews that are currently live on the WWE uh, website for Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Leon Ruff match or for the Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher versus Imperium match. Uh, those have both not been promoted on WWE.com. We, there is times where they don't promote every match, which is understandable, but right now, since we're, we have to speculate everything as it currently stands, especially with COVID. Uh, I talked about in the last episode how COVID is still a real thing, and we're seeing it here in NXT. And not only is it an issue for the main roster for NXT, but for the, the Performance Center and the Performance Center people because they're also in close contact with everyone there in NXT as well. So uh, best of luck to NXT and hopefully that they can fight through this because a lot of positive cases have been coming out from NXT. So we'll see where that all goes. AEW announces newest signing. Uh, AEW president and CEO Tony Khan has announced on Twitter that AEW has signed legit Layla Hirsch. Yeah, you remember that name. Uh, most recently, Hirsch was a part of the U.S. half of the recent number one contender tournament, but was eliminated in the first round. I believe that was by uh, Thunder Rosa. And uh, congratulations to Layla Hirsch. I think she's going to be a, a real big star in this women's division and a person that this women's division really, really needed. And now that they have her under contract and now that she's all elite, if you will uh a big congratulations to her and i hope she does some great great things to our show review for last night's monday night raw but first let us thank our sponsor manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels they obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is FANSIDED20, all caps, at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with. Manscaped. Getting into last night's Monday Night Raw, Bobby Lashley opened the show, and I still absolutely love his entrance. I love everything with Bobby Lashley that he's doing. The little uh, video package that they have at the beginning 
of the show is always a nice touch I feel uh, they always do a great job finding a way to make sure that he looks professional and whoever the champion is looks professional and looks top notch I wish he had pyro when he was pointing out to the sides I always feel like that would be a big thing for him to be able to have as he points to the sides and whether it is a big pyro or small obviously something golden given the hurt business type of colors would be really really nice uh, I'm also in love with MVP and his pimp cane with him walking around he does have a legitimate knee injury so it's understandable for him to walk around with that cane but he just looks like he has the swag with it. he has the drip with it as well you know he's just walking down chilling with the cane making sure he's looking fresh and he, of course everyone in the hurt business gotta look fresh uh, a match for Wrestlemania is announced between Lashley and McIntyre so it is set uh, McIntyre will face Sheamus at Fastlane as a build up to uh, Wrestlemania I'll talk about that a little bit later especially as we get towards the main event but Lashley McIntyre at Wrestlemania for the WWE Championship uh, Lashley according to what he's saying he proved to all the haters that they're wrong and honestly I'm sure if there were fans in the stadiums that if they were going from stadium to stadium if there's fans there uh, he would be getting cheered I think at this moment um, it might be an odd way to sound and an odd way to put it but he did something that a lot of people were hoping that he was going to do for a very, very long time. So obviously you play along with the show and you boo, but in moments where you feel kind of genuine and you feel feeling the, the truth coming out of Bobby Lashley, I felt like there would have been a lot of cheers there for Lashley, especially tonight. Um, the Miz enters with John Morrison. Uh, why is everyone wearing glasses inside? I, write, I wrote that as a note. All four people that were involved, Bobby Lashley, MVP, uh, John Morrison, and The Miz, all wearing dark shaded glasses inside. So I thought that was a little odd. As The Miz pleads his case, McIntyre enters with his eyes fixed on Lashley. McIntyre walking directly past The Miz and John Morrison. McIntyre wondering why MVP is still involved since Lashley can talk for himself now. I'm not sure if he can talk for himself now that well, but uh, MVP still there as, for moral support, if you will. Uh, McIntyre just commands the room at all times every time he stands in it. He's just an aura and just a presence, and I feel like he has free reign from uh the, from produ a production standpoint and from a, a character standpoint that he just has free reign to do almost whatever he wants and uh, he probably doesn't get much heat backstage for it given the fact that what he was able to do throughout 2020 guiding the WWE through my favorite word uncharted water so I feel like I have to say that almost every episode but I, I enjoy saying it uh, Lashley attacks McIntyre after McIntyre called Lashley a big bald B-word. I'm not sure <laughs> what are the legalities there here on this podcast. Uh, Sheamus attacks Lashley as well as Lashley was trying to make his way up the entrance ramp. Uh, but a good way to start the show, and I think, once again, it's a great way to start the show with your champion and Bobby Lashley really showing him off as the guy right now in the WWE. Uh, the first match of the night is Drew McIntyre versus The Miz with John Morrison in The Miz's corner. Uh, this came after uh, the McIntyre and The Miz uh, got into an altercation as well in that opening segment, but not too notably to keep uh, mentioning it. Uh, the Miz gets the quick jump, but McIntyre takes control and dominates on the outside. Morrison distracts McIntyre, allowing The Miz to take advantage, but not for long, 
as uh, McIntyre connects with the reverse Alabama slam. I say that 10 times fast. Uh, Morrison gets barred from ringside as he pulls the Miz out of the ring to avoid a Claymore kick. McIntyre connects with the Claymore but decides not to pin the Miz. Uh, instead, he locks in the Hurt Lock, Bobby Lashley's finishing move, to pick up the victory. And I'm surprised that they let McIntyre use that Hurt Lock there. Uh, for him to strap in another person's uh, finisher, I thought that was a, a little bit of a surprise, given the fact that wouldn't you want to protect it, especially given the fact that now McIntyre won because of it? I guess that sort of does protect it in a way, given that it's such a devastating maneuver, that full Nelson. At least that's how it's been built for quite some time now with Bobby Lashley. But a little odd allowing McIntyre to use it uh, in this show and in this match for, for that matter. Uh, a little odd. I always thought McIntyre should have a submission move in his arsenal. I honestly thought that that would come way back in the Extreme Rules match with Dolph Ziggler. Remember back then, way, way back then in the middle of uh, the COVID pandemic where they had the... Uh, extreme rules match with uh, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. I have a big Dolph Ziggler fan as a friend, and he's going to appreciate me mentioning this match. But uh, the ma match stipulation was that it's only extreme rules for Dolph Ziggler, but McIntyre had to play by uh, normal single match rules, death, thus putting him at an extreme disadvantage. So what uh, ended up happening was McIntyre obviously won, but I want to... Ziggler had the option to choose any match, and I felt like a submission match would have been great, given the fact that McIntyre didn't have a submission, thus putting Ziggler in the advantage, but then McIntyre would then pick up a submission move throughout that match, and then make that his submission throughout the rest of his, of his career. And then Roman Reigns, we saw him pick up a submission move on the guillotine headlock. That has worked out great for him, and it's a fantastic visual. of such a giant man raking down on the person's neck and just pulling them back and just wrenching his whole body weight. Uh, but yeah, Roman Reigns got one, McIntyre didn't, and uh, hopefully McIntyre will get one at some point. But uh, I guess it's just something we'll have to wait and see. But uh, a good match. Decent match between uh, McIntyre and The Miz. I, I have more to say about McIntyre a little bit later. In our next segment, Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon. Uh, I write again because this one better be better than the last one or at least hopefully faster than the last one that we saw in last week's episode. Uh, McMahon continues to call Strowman stupid. Strowman knows that McMahon wants a match, so he gives him one tonight. Uh, McMahon calls him stupid even more and accepts the challenge. Uh, I thought they would do this at Mania. But I guess not. Later in the night, uh, there'll be more news to come. Lana and Naomi versus Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. Uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler are on commentary for this one. No Reginald. No Reginald. And it did, they did mention that on air, that the Reginald wasn't with them. Uh, Nia Jax didn't give a reason. WWE didn't give a reason. Uh, I hope Reginald is still there with Nia Jax. I think that's a good pairing. Hopefully he's not a SmackDown figure at all times because that would be annoying. But Reginald with Nia Jax, that's a good pairing. Just don't shove it down my throat all the time. Especially when it's involved with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. There's no need for him to be there. Uh, Lana, Lana looking more and more solid each week. I really think she is improving in ring compared to where she was uh, even when she started with Natalia a few months back. 
Uh, a lot of people thought that was a little odd of her, and we could obviously see that her and Natalia would be great together, but Lana and anyone else would be, wouldn't be that good. Given the fact that Lana does train with Natalia, obviously they were able to work out some choreography for their matches, and once Lana went against anybody else, it was a little bit difficult. We all know the story with Lana and the tables with Nia Jax. I always thought that was a fun part of every show. And now she's trying to make herself more of a legitimate in-ring competitor, and there's no better way to do that than in the tag team division. It's just a shame that the tag team division, the WWE, has been a little tough, especially in the in the women's side of things. Uh, but Lana, each week, she's definitely looking a little bit better, slowly but surely. Asuka enters to get a closer look, and Baszler uh, goes to attack Asuka, but fails. Brooke and Rose pick up the win after a big neckbreaker. Uh, I'm not mad seeing uh, the women's tag team division trade wins. Uh, I hope it builds them up instead of pulling them down as it has. But uh, it just it's okay for Lana and Naomi to lose, just like it's okay for Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose to lose. It's okay for them to lose matches. It's not like they have a ton on the line. It's They're building the women's division. They had a women's division tag teams match, and someone won. I think it's okay, completely okay with that. Uh, you know, if, if it was the Riot Squad losing, I feel like that's another thing. That, that gets me really upset because I feel like they, they've been around for so long that they deserve an opportunity somewhere, but they just aren't getting it. But... Uh, they're building this division. There are, we have Nia Jax's team, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. We have Lana and Naomi, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, the Riot Squad, and that's currently four. And then I guess if you can't count Banks and Bianca Belair, that's five. I feel like I might be missing a team, but if I'm really missing a team, have they been that important in the tag team division lately? I wish the Iconics were back. That would be really nice. Oh, I'm missing uh, Tamina and Natalia, who have been a strong duo as well. So we, that's around five or six teams. I wish we could get a little bit bigger, maybe one more team to round things out. But uh, I, I would like to see this division get improved. I say it week in, week out. But this women's division really struggles on the main roster. And I was hoping with NXT getting involved that they would bring the NXT women's tag team titles down there so we could get an even bigger division. But no, I guess they're just going to make their own and their own tag team titles as we saw on last week's episode of NXT. And they'll probably do it better than the WWE when it comes down to booking the women's tag team division as they had for the past uh, last week. They did great and they've been doing great for the past few weeks, especially after the Dusty Cup. So they're doing a great job. Moving on to our first championship match of the night. There were two. This is the first one. The New Day versus the Hurt Business for the Raw Tag Team Championships. The Hurt Business coming into this one as the champions. Uh, Benjamin sends Woods into the steel steps with the rest distracted early on. Woods enters on a hot tag and dominates. The tables turn on the New Day, however, as action falls outside. As the Hurt Business reverse the dive onto the outside from Woods and Kofi Kingston. A great back and forth throughout this whole match. I really thought they did a good job developing uh, length into it. And they also did a good job developing a lot of anticipation. Because no one really knew what the outcome of this match was going to be. Especially since we're around WrestleMania time. Anything could happen. And anything could happen as the New Day connects with the Daybreak. And the Raw tag team titles are now theirs as they pick up the victory. Wow, 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 wow. The New Day, once again, are tag team champions. I believe this is their 11th reign in the WWE as tag team champions. Insane. 
absolutely insane. I'm going to talk about them a little bit later. I'm not going to talk about it now on how this pertains to the New Day, but let me talk about now how this pertains to the Hurt Business. Uh, it's not a great look, not a great look, especially heading into WrestleMania. You would figure that the WWE would want Bobby Lashley to look as strong as possible so the posse around him, as in Shelton Benjamin and... Uh, Cedric Alexander would be Raw Tag Team Champions going into Mania. You would figure that would be the smartest move. And then taking the belts, you know, I guess maybe taking the belts off of them at Mania would have made it a little bit lackluster for Bobby Lashley, no matter what the outcome was, given that he would would have looked a little bit weaker at the end of the night, given that his, uh, his entourage lost. But... Uh, I guess taking that that's me thinking out loud now, but taking it off them now, uh, I guess it might have soured the buildup as well. So uh, I it's a little upsetting to see the Hurt Business not hold these belts, especially with Cedric Alexander looking so strong with them and them not really uh, Cedric Alexander obviously at one point going to break off onto his own and be a star as he should be and finally being built up because of the Hurt Business. I think it's great and I'm glad they got all their pictures in, you know, holding the Raw Tag Team titles and the WWE Championship. They, they got all their pictures in, so that's all they needed. Uh, after that, uh, after the victory of the New Day, AJ Styles and Omos enter and uh, they say they don't have anything planned for WrestleMania. Omos goes on the microphone and says that he believes that AJ Styles and himself should both be the Raw Tag Team Champions. And I write here in my notes before they announced that Omos should make his in-ring debut at WrestleMania. And the New Day accept the match with, uh, between AJ Styles and Omos. And uh, they, they are going to have a, a match at WrestleMania. So Omos uh, should make his in-ring debut at Mania. Uh, that's what I believe. I, I don't think he should have like a, a quote-unquote build build-up match or or a match to make him look good because he's already looked great for these pa- however long he's been working in the company at this point and now aligning himself with AJ Styles. He's looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, I don't think he needs a, a match. I think just give him his debut at Mania. Let it be on the biggest stage possible. And I have no problem with the belts being put on AJ Styles and Omos, even though they never had a match together before. I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy or listen to me like I'm crazy because, Jaden, aren't your rules so set in stone and so firm? Jaden, I hear you all the time complaining about the tag team division, how two singles competitors can, can't can just team up together to win a tag team goal. It just makes no sense. It devalues the tag team division. Well... I feel like you're able to bend and break the rules a little bit, especially when it comes down to the sacrifice of a story. And Omos has looked like the most, if not, he has has been the most unstoppable figure in the WWE as of late because he 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 guys he know he no sells everything, but on purpose. And AJ Styles is arguably the best wrestler in WWE at the moment as well. So pairing those two together, it makes sense in my head. It makes sense in my head. And if they do win the tag team titles, I think it'll be great. And if they don't, it'll be cool as well because Omos would is definitely going to get over. And I guess this is also the main reason why the New Day currently have the belts because people are going to want to watch the New Day at WrestleMania, but it's also going to be coming along with Omos and people are going to be introduced to him in that sense. Much like how Damian Priest is running around with Bad Bunny. People want to see Bad Bunny, but along with Bad Bunny comes with Damian Priest and people are going to end up seeing Damian Priest. Uh, Speaking of Bad Bunny, backstage, Bad Bunny gives his 24-7 title to R-Truth in a trade. Uh, I'm a little sad to see his title reign end this way, but I figure 
at least at the time of writing, WWE had no more use for Bad Bunny to hold the 24-7 title after the Grammys. Also, given the fact that I don't believe that he brought the 24-7 title to the Grammys, thus not waving around the WWE flag, how I've been uh, gallivanting about and telling you for weeks and weeks and weeks, but uh, I guess we all know the, the narrative there. It, he did bring it to SNL, so I will say that, but... Um, yeah, a little disappointed Bad Bunny didn't bring the title belt to the Grammys, but I guess there could have been also implications there of other celebrities trying to tackle Bad Bunny on the red carpet, whatever, whatever. Obviously, the celebrity stratosphere is a lot bigger than my knowledge as it currently stands. So, you know, I guess he might have some deal where he's not supposed to be carrying around the WWE title and ends up carrying around a sunflower instead. A little odd, but... Uh, you know, when, when you're rich as Bad Bunny and you're winning Grammys, I can't really complain. Once again, uh, congratulations to Bad Bunny. I believe he won Latin Album of the Year. So congrats to him. And uh, obviously being tied with the WWE, makes WWE look great as well. Uh, Damian Priest with Bad Bunny versus uh, Jackson Riker versus, uh, with Elias. Uh, this was uh, the next match after Bad Bunny gave up his 24-7 title. Uh, Priest connects with the Broken Arrow and hits the lights and wins in a squash match. Like, this match lasted maybe 30 seconds. And uh, poor Jackson Riker, but uh, should I really be saying poor Jackson Riker at this point? Uh, Elias attacks Priest after the match. Bunny goes to save uh, and lands a strong, nice right hand. I remember one punch that Bad Bunny threw a couple weeks back that looked pretty weak, but this one it looks like he's been working on it. And Priest finishes off the job. John Morrison enters down the entrance ramp to distract the two as The Miz attacks Bad Bunny from behind with Elias's guitar. And so maybe it's not over with Bad Bunny, and he has a tag team match at Mania uh, against John Morrison and The Miz. So it's, it would be Damian Priest and Bad Bunny versus John Morrison and The Miz. And I say, why not? I don't, I don't really see the harm against this. A lot of people argue like, oh, Bad Bunny shouldn't be on TV because he's taking up spots from other wrestlers that should be in the same spot. Who is, who would be teamed up with Damian Priest right now that he, that he's taking away the spotlight from, right? And I guess you could look at another Hispanic star and maybe look at Andrade, but they're not this Andrade Mexican and Damian Priest is Puerto Rican. So just putting them together wouldn't be right. Bad Bunny and and Priest just makes sense as it currently stands. And Priest has had a lifelong dream of doing that. Priest, uh, Bad Bunny has had a lifelong dream of doing this and he's gained celebrity status in obviously another realm of, of Latin music and he found his way to the WWE because he had the dream of doing it. And he even said it himself when he traded away the 24-7 title. He has respect for this business. It's not like he's just here for the paycheck or just here because he's being told to be here by his uh, public relations. He's here because he loves this. He loves professional wrestling, much like how you and me love professional wrestling as fans. If You're telling me if you didn't gain any stardom or fandom, you wouldn't try to weasel your way or force your way into the WWE or professional wrestling in some sense? I know I would. I would try my best to get myself in a match get myself booked maybe put myself over why not but if anything he's doing the best thing possible not only putting himself over but putting someone else over that desperately needed to on his way uh, being called up from nxt so i give bad bunny all the credit in the world i don't care what anybody else says about bad bunny he is carrying the wwe flag better than anybody else currently stands from a celebrity standpoint and he continues to be great he continues to be great Every week he's on television. You gave him pyro. They gave him a logo. They gave he he made a song about Booker T. Great, 
just great. I, I give Bad Bunny all the credit in the world, and for him to get disrespected by fans that want to see uh, whoever on the low card get pushed in any way, it's not like Bad Bunny is blocking them. You know, the Miz was going to have his match at Mania and might as well help Priest get there as well. You know, I, I don't see a problem against that. I don't see a problem there. Next match, Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman. So this match, instead of happening, as I mentioned earlier, at a pay-per-view, it's going to happen right now. Uh, McMahon grabs a microphone and asks uh, to warm up. McMahon makes fun of Strowman, obviously, about his intelligence, which is very sad with McMahon. I think it's just such an annoying tactic to knowing route to go at uh, and Strowman brutally attacks Shane McMahon McMahon attacks Strowman with a camera ringside to gain the advantage over the big man and then of all things McMahon drops an elbow onto Strowman from the top rope down through the table so a huge spot for McMahon you know 50 year old man dropping an elbow from the top rope and not only from the top rope but from the top rope over to the outside through the announce table which was great and if it stopped there I thought this would have been a decent segment beside all the insulting because it's just unnecessary but no McMahon dumps green slime onto Braun Strowman uh, two buckets full of it and I thought this was unnecessary I thought this one was confusing and was this also a shot at Nickelodeon? I don't know. I don't get it. I just don't get it. If you guys get it, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter, Jaden Backer TV, and, and try to help me out here. But I'm pretty sure you're just as confused as I am because it just didn't make much sense to me, to be completely honest with you, on, on what's going on with McMahon and Strowman. They're going to have a match at Fastlane, them two. And... Uh, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I, 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 don't, I don't get... Okay. I understand the fact that they're going to have a match. And they should have a match. Strowman with McMahon. McMahon wants to get back into wrestling, I guess. And I guess Strowman's a guy to do it against since he hasn't really been doing anything lately. Might as well pair them together, see what happens, right? But for the angle that they're going at it from, why does Shane McMahon have to be a jerk? Like, well, There's no real reason for that. There's no real reason for Shane McMahon to be insulting Someone as big as Braun Strowman. Like, there's no motive there. That There's no reason why. That's why I'm confused. There's no reason why McMahon is doing why, what he's doing. And if there was, then I would be fully behind it. But there really isn't. There really, really isn't. Uh, next segment, Alexa Bliss's Playground. I think Bliss might have challenged or into a match at Fastlane, but I wasn't sure at the time. I would come to be find out that, yes, she did challenge Randy Orton to a match at Fastlane. Her and him one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, next match, or next segment, Asuka versus Shayna Baszler. With Nia Jax, uh, Asuka, welcome back. Uh, she got her teeth fixed after being knocked out by Shayna Baszler. We also saw the clip and that they showed a thousand times. Uh, I wonder if she went to the same guy that Roman Reigns went to because the teeth did come out very, very nice. Uh, Asuka attacks both Jax and Baszler prior to the match. Uh, Nia Jax trying to get involved multiple times but is thwarted by Asuka by a bunch of uh, hip attacks. A Kafuta clutch rolled up into the overused pinfall for Asuka to pick up the win. We all know the pinfall and what it looks like where she puts, uh, Shayna Baszler puts in the Kafuta clutch and then the person just leans back and rolls back and stands on their head and ends up pinning Shayna Baszler. That's been used like a thousand times it feels like it's so overused and i'd much rather a person break out of the carefoot clutch instead of pinfall i i guess it keeps baszler protected in a sense that 
you know, she had it locked in, but her shoulders were down. But it also makes it look kind of stupid because it's happened multiple times. It's not like it's the first time it's ever happened. Uh, Oscar returns the favor to Oth, uh, but to, excuse me, Oscar returns the favor to Baszler in by kicking her in the mouth and ripping out Baszler's mouth guard, and then trying to destroy the mouth of Baszler by knocking her teeth into the uh, bottom turnbuckle with the turnbuckle exposed with, with the pad removed. A nasty spot. You had Baszler biting down on the 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 circle clamp that that holds the rope, so it was, it was nasty. And uh, a very baby face of Asuka as well. Oh, yeah, baby face Asuka returning and trying to rip people's teeth out. And uh, I think the next title match Asuka has, she's she's losing it. And um, wh- whoever it is, literally, the, the next title match Asuka has, I don't care if it's on Fastlane, I don't care if it's on a Raw. The next one it is, it is. And I, I think Asuka loses uh, the Raw Tag Team Championship. It's raw, the Raw Women's Championship, I apologize. Riddle versus Mustafa Ali. In a United States Championship match, uh, Ali drives Riddle into the edge of the announce table and looks really strong early on. Riddle picks up the pace, but Ali stays resilient. Uh, T-Bar accidentally distracts the ref and causing the ref to miss Ali's match-winning pinfall. Uh, you, you should count it if he would have been down for the 1-2-3 uh, uh, Riddle. And the Bro Derek for Riddle picks up the win for him to retain the U.S. title. Uh, Ali once again yelling at the Retribution members. Uh, the Retribution hasn't been broken up yet, and I felt like putting a title on Ali would have been fun, and uh, Riddle could have gotten it back even at Fastlane, but just for him to hold it, and then for this situation to go down at Fastlane, if they did exactly what they did now at Fastlane, I feel like that would that would be cool in a sense of Ali wins the title and then he loses it right away. I know a lot of people don't like to see that, but I feel like that would be officially the end of Retribution. That would nip it in the butt, a quick title reign. And it would put another title reign on on a Riddle, which a lot of people, I think, would appreciate it as well. Randy Orton backstage, he accepts Alexa Bliss's challenge for a one-on-one match at Fastlane. So we'll see how that one goes. It's an intergender match. I don't think they're actually going to have a quote-unquote match. I don't think they're actually going to wrestle, but we all know how these stories go. We might see the return of The Fiend, which would be uh, fantastic. Moving on to our main event, Sheamus versus Bobby Lashley with MVP. Drew McIntyre enters ringside and Lashley... Uh, working uh, the whole on a whole nother level in this match, uh, you really see like the, the energy that's coming from Bobby Lashley at this point. It honestly makes the Bobby Lashley of old look like a child compared to the Bobby Lashley of now. He is just absolutely ruthless in the ring. Uh, McIntyre and Lashley meet face to face on the outside, but Lashley is forced to focus on the match by MVP. Lashley takes his weekly shoulder bump into the post after missing a spear in the corner. You know he takes that bump all the time and ends up even cutting his. Not didn't do it in this match, but he ends up cutting his head open pretty often taking that bump, and uh, it's a little odd, a little odd how he keeps on doing it and and uh, re-injuring himself. He didn't do it this time, but he usually does it pretty often where he cuts open the side of his head, taking a a, a bump off the the LED ring post. Uh, Ten beats of the bottom by Sheamus. Uh, Irish curse backbreaker Lashley kicks out at one. A nice touch there. Remember when McIntyre was kicking out at one a lot. I like to see that, especially from a champion. And Lashley does a great job there just 
picking up that shoulder at one. A broke kick is reversed into a spear. And Lashley picks up the victory. Uh, Sheamus looked really, really strong in this match. He put up a big fight, and I wouldn't say he made Lashley look weak or vulnerable in any way, but he definitely put up a really big fight in this match. And that's only going to help McIntyre uh, look that much stronger when McIntyre beats Sheamus at Fastlane uh, in their match. And uh, this is the point I wanted to make. The match between McIntyre and Sheamus has a sneaky, sneaky chance of being a match of the year candidate. Uh, you saw the match that they put on on last week's Raw one-on-one. Is either last week or two weeks ago one-on-one, and they they did a fantastic job. You can tell that they really, really, really wanted to have that one-on-one match. They put on a show. Now for them to put it on in a pay-per-view sense, given now that I believe they're tied at one apiece when it comes down to matches. Uh, I'm really, really excited to see McIntyre and Sheamus go at it. And uh, Lashley locks in the Hurt Lock on Sheamus after the match. The Claymore to Lashley from McIntyre. And that's what ends the show. A decent show. Uh, the only thing that really bothered me was all of the stuff that had to do with Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon. Uh, honestly, if the Shane McMahon-Strowman segment ended... After the elbow drop from the top rope, this would have been a, a really, really good show for Raw. As uh, everything else really was strong, maybe besides the Bad Bunny giving up the 24-7 title, but I guess there's no more use for it, and I guess people can be happy once again, given people were just so, so upset that, oh my, how are these lower card guys going to have to get any TV time for them running around in circles, running for a green belt? Oh no, oh, forget about it. It really gets me upset how people, how much people care about. Uh, I understand they care about these lower card guys, but if they really were doing something, they'd be doing something more than running around for a green belt. I definitely have to say that. I'm gonna give the show a B. Uh, I think this is uh, very decent, very very decent, and uh, a show that that definitely should be looked at as one of the hot, better shows of Monday Night Raw, especially for a three-hour show. And it didn't feel like a three-hour show this time. I will say that it didn't feel like it uh, because the the matches were pretty decent, but. The, the Strowman stuff just needed, and McMahon, it's more, not really Strowman's fault, it's more McMahon. It's just the whole issue, a whole issue. So, we're going to head into the break, and uh, now with the New Day as an 11-time WWE Tag Team Champions, uh, we will talk about, uh, are the New Day the greatest tag team ever? Ever. I have an argument for yes and an argument for no, so stick with us right here on the Daily DTT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on March 16, 2001, WCW Monday Nitro and WCW Thunder are both canceled by the Turner Networks. The call was the first major programming decision made by the newly hired Turner Broadcasting CEO, Jamie Kellner. WCW had become virtually worthless overnight as Fustent Media Virtues pulled out of the deal to buy WCW once it was canceled. A week later, WWF would announce that they would buy WCW's assets in about two dozen contracts for just $2.5 million, a far cry from what the company was once worth, including legal fees. The total sale was just over $4 million, but you couldn't imagine how much WCW was worth, especially at the height of the Monday Night Wars when they were beating uh, Monday Night Raw for, what was it, 83 weeks? So, <laughs> is, that, is that what that podcast is called? Anyway, um, yeah, but on this day, we saw the cancellation of Nitro and, and Thunder, and next week when uh, we really get into things with uh, WCW, I will definitely talk 
a lot more about it and as you get through the invasion angle. Also be prepared to listen to a lot more WrestleManias for the On This Day in Pro Wrestling as uh, that is coming as well. We have uh, 30-something to get through, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I will do most of them. I don't know if I'll do all of them. I will say that. Looking at t- last night's events, last night with the New Day picking up their 11th WWE Tag Team title reign. Uh, obviously a fantastic feat for the New Day, but now the question sort of has to arise. Another title reign put on them, and uh, they've been around since 2014, stacking up those title reigns and stacking up a, a lot of records along with it. And I'm going to go through the reasons why they might be the greatest tag team ever and why they uh, are not. So starting off with the, the why, let's start off on a good note. Why are the New Day the greatest tag team ever? So the argument for uh, they hold a current, as I've been saying, 11-time WWE tag team title reigns in the modern era of professional wrestling. That's really, really impressive uh, compared to all the other tag teams on the current roster and rosters before them that they've competed against. The New Day have just been on another level when it comes to winning championships. And that can be for another reason, and that might be one of the cons, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But when they hold the titles, things happen. The people want to watch pro wrestling. People want to watch the WWE when the New Day are champions because they're just have been the most over tag team for years. It seems since WrestleMania, uh, way back in in 2014, since their inception, they have been uh, one of the top level talents and the most eye drawing and money grabbing uh, talents in the WWE, if not the most. Uh, also, they hold the longest tag team championship reign in WWE history at 483 days. And I think a feat that won't be beaten for a very, very long time until another New Day comes along. And I'm not, no, I'm not talking about another African-American group or something like that, but I'm talking about a group that makes the WWE a lot of money. And they earned that long title reign because they made the WWE a lot of money because of merch sales and uh, meet and greets and everything like that. People wanted to see the New Day. People wanted to wear the New Day's clothes. People wanted all the New Day merch because people and kids especially love the New Day. They're they're what close as you can get to kid friendly at the same time as also being that provocative figure as Big E was and, and with the New Day and. Uh, you know, carrying around the, 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 it's not a trumpet, it's not a saxophone, trombone, there you go, <laughs> it took me a little bit, uh, carrying around the trombone and throwing the pancakes into the crowd and the bootios and everything like that, uh, they, they did everything right from a merchandise standpoint. And also, on to the third point for the argument of the New Day being the greatest tag team ever, is that they had the ability to change through the times and adapt as single stars while staying as a group. Rarely do we see uh, single stars emerge from a group without breaking away from them, without breaking away. We've sort of currently seen it a little bit, but it's not like they're rivals in any sense between Big E and the current New Day. But looking at the eras of the New Day, we have the Gospel era in the beginning, the power of positivity as as heels, and then the power of positivity as baby faces, right? And now, obviously, uh, if you look at their ring gear, a little bit different, a lot of Black History Month type of things, and you know, just honoring Black History in general. 
that I think that's a fantastic thing for them to do, and they continue to wear that ring gear, and it looks really, really nice on them, and it looks a, a decent and a great tribute to Black history as a whole. So for them to adapt through eras and adapt through cultural change and and norms and everything like that, uh, they have been on the ball every single time. And then look at singles runs, Kofi Mania huge and what happened they didn't break up you know the new day is still a thing to, to to this day and those single runs were really important for for a lot of these guys woods is the only one that hasn't really got one yet but a lot of that's due to injury he hasn't been around to get his single run or his single moment but i think his time will come especially in the mid card and then just look at biggie right now i know right now as it currently stands he's not a member of the the nuclear new day but it's not like he is rivals with kofi and with woods no they're they're all great friends they, they do a podcast together on the wwe network i wonder what's going to happen to that podcast when they head over to peacock i have a ton of questions about that and that that's a whole episode on its own on what's going to happen with peacock and the wwe but as it currently stands with the new day uh, the single runs have been great it's as long as they're in, once they're in the singles run, once they're actually being pushed, and maybe not after the fact, but that might be in the cons. But I think that's a fair argument. All these three points of uh, their their title reigns, their their historic numbers, especially holding that WWE uh, tag team titles for 483 days, and then the ability to change through time. They have been on the ball every single time, and they just make the WWE a lot of money. A lot of people want to see the New Day. A lot of people enjoy the New Day. And for them to be enjoyed for how long? It's been seven years, about, maybe a little less, a little less than seven years, and they're still being enjoyed by fans week in, week out. Some people get sick of factions three weeks in, maybe not even three years, if you understand what I'm saying. So for them to be a hot commodity for seven years straight, so much so that they put the belts on them once it's WrestleMania season, is huge. Is huge. Now... I'm going to go into my argument against the New Day and why they are not the greatest tag team of all time. And uh, I don't want to sound like I'm counter... I am contradicting myself a little bit with these points, but I am I might be making the same points, but looking at it in a different light, by taking a different perspective on... Uh, I mentioned money a lot, and I, one of the first, first points here is that, yes, they do make the WWE a lot of money, but the New Day is a propped-up cash cow. They've been propped up by the WWE years and years and years to make the WWE a lot of money. And yes, I understand in order to get to that point, they had to get over themselves. But since then, the titles have been slapped onto them by many a time in order to get a good pop and for merchandise sales to blow up. And I'm not saying that the New Day haven't earned this position, because I think they definitely did earn this position. But how much longer are they going to be able to run through the mill year after year, put the belts on the New Day year after year once it hits Mania season or SummerSlam season or Survivor Series or whatever, especially when viewership pops up, and just to get the big pop for the WrestleMania crowd that we're going to see this year, thankfully, and the merchandise sales. How much How much longer are we going to be able to wring the money out of the New Day? I know that cash cows, but it has to dry up at some point some point it has to I, I really don't understand how long it's going to be able to take and i'm not saying this it's a con for me because 
even though they, they did reach that point themselves, the WWE continues to push it at us. Like, here, they're the champions again, they're the champions again. And I, yes, I guess we accept it as fans because we do enjoy the New Day and enjoy the potential of what they can become and what they have become with Kofi Kingston winning the WWE Championship, the potential of Big E winning his own WWE Championship down the line. But how much longer? That's my question. How much longer are they going to be able to do that? And speaking of the singles runs with Kofi Mania and now with Big E, uh, this more pertains towards Kofi Kingston, but single stardom tends to burn up in the sky. Kofi Kingston after Kofi Mania. I think that's all I have to say. Because Kofi King after Kofi Mania, Kofi Kingston's luster sort of sort of rubbed rubbed away, especially after he lost the uh, WWE championship to Brock Lesnar at an episode of SmackDown. Granted that it was the first Fox episode of SmackDown, but for that to happen, I felt like really uh, took the shine away from Kofi Kingston. And now, where's Kofi Kingston now? Back in the tag team division, back with the New Day. And once again, yes, they are champions as it currently stands, but why are they champions? Are the champions because they are the best tag team in the WWE right now? Or it's going to help WWE make a lot more money <laughs> with them as champions? So uh, I guess it's. It might be a win-win or win-lose, however you look at it, but it, that's my big fear with Big E, is that he's going to have this Intercontinental Championship run, and he may have a WWE Championship run at some point down the line. Personally, I still don't think he's ready for a WWE Championship run, if I'm being honest with you, but... If that day does come, I'm scared for Big E to fall back to where he was in years past, which there's nothing against. You know, he he was successful in the tag team division, but you're looking to improve. You're looking to be promoted. You're looking to be pushed and not to fall back to where you were. Kofi Kingston should continuously try to be in a title picture at some point or feuding with top top guys like the AJ Styles of the world, the Nakamura's of the world, not in a tag team setting, but in a... Uh, actual single setting, I feel. But in this sense, I feel like he's always fallen back to this tag team division. And speaking of the tag team division of the WWE, tag team wrestling the WWE doesn't stack up currently to its former self or other promotions around the world. Tag team wrestling the WWE has become all about the titles and not about the feuds between other tag teams. As soon as we see a feud uh, evolving one-on-one, uh, uh, -on -one, like much like how we saw, this is the perfect example. The New Day versus Retribution. As soon as we see th these two get at it and these two go go face to face of one another and they have a feud that's not about a title, the New Day get a title. I guess oh, you did such a good job feuding with the team, not about a title. Here's the title. You know, it makes no sense to me why the WWE can't book tag team feuds. Like I don't like you for this reason or I don't like you for that reason. Whatever. It doesn't have to be about the straps. And even though the straps are the most quote-unquote important thing in the tag team division, grudge matches make great television as well. You know, I want to see this team beat this team because they talked bad about that team. You know, like, I'm obviously in layman's and simple terms, but if you just look at how AEW has been booking their tag team division. Not all about the belts, you know? It's not all about the... The Young Bucks and the AEW Tag Team Championship. It's not about them. It's about the feuds that intertwine one another, like the the, the Butcher and the Blade and and the Dark uh, the the Triangle and all that. You know the, the feuds that have been interlocking, interworking for so 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 long 
that we're sort of ingrained in our minds when we watch AEW instead of WWE is that it's not all about the belts. And WWE just seems to be all about the belts. And the WWE tag team division is just not going to be able to stack up to AEW, at least not at the moment, until uh, both the SmackDown and Raw tag team titles are unified and feuds become more based on anything else other than the titles. You know, I feel like having two tag team titles, it's it does its purpose. It gets two teams over at the same time, but having only one, I feel like, would mean more to the tag team division as a whole in the WWE, and it, it allows these tag team divisions to expand a bit, especially when we see struggling struggling divisions like how we saw back early on the pandemic with uh, the Raw tag team division that I believe had like two teams at one point, and then now in the SmackDown tag team division where it's getting a little bit clustered, uh, even though we have like our main four, if you will. But how, how believable will it be if Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio win the tag team titles? How believable will it be with Otis and uh, Chad Gable? Even though they definitely had the opportunity to do so, you know, I feel like the next in line should be next, especially after uh, last episode of SmackDown Street Profits. But, you know, I feel like if they just have one tag team title, it would mean a lot more to the WWE. It would mean a lot more to us, the fans, knowing that these are the tag teams of the of the moment and not split in half. And uh, that's just where I currently stand. It's kind of tough to watch the tag team division in the WWE sometimes because we all know it's just always about the title. It's never about the emotion that's behind these guys, uh, you know, to be always fighting for the title. The, you know, just blind rage just going for it. No, you, you, they're humans. You, they have interactions with other people. And why are you upset at this person? That's just something I really wanted to see. But the, those are my uh, for and against. And uh, I think they both make good arguments uh, on why. It's just when you look at the against, it, it, we're in a tough time for tag team divisions in the WWE. But at the same time, the New Day are single-handedly, you could argue, are the best tag team currently the best tag team for the decade and can be the best tag team in the, in the next five years given how it just seems like they they haven't lost any uh push in any way shape or form they just continue to be promoted and promoted and promoted and pushed and pushed and pushed as far as they can possibly be but we're gonna look on to next episode because uh, if I talk about the New Day for another second, my head might spin, but they're definitely a great squad. Nothing against the New Day. I'm just giving you both sides of the street there. Preview for next episode, uh, Impact Wrestling, that is tonight. Uh, this is the first show after Impact Sacrifice. Sammy Callahan versus Trey Miguel will be tonight, along with a six-on-six -six knockout tag team match. And new Impact Tag Team Champions, Finjuice, take on Triple XL. Also a big match, Shira versus Rahit Raju. Definitely should be a fun one to watch. But that's all for me. Remember to get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code FANSIDED20, all caps. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DTT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDTT.com. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DTT Podcast.